everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you for being here today. Today you're listening to episode 103, and I'm talking with Colleen Quigley. Colleen runs for Nike with the Bowerman Track Club. She's a steeplechaser. She ran in the 2016 Olympics. She's an Olympian, guys, and she placed eighth in the world there. Colleen started running in high school when she was also a model as well and made the tough decision going into college to go ahead and compete collegiately as a runner instead of taking up that modeling career. We talk about that in this episode. But she did win state her senior year of high school in the 1600 and the 3200 and then went on to win an NCAA title her senior year of college. So we talk about the delayed gratification and how important that is and how meaningful it is when we work really hard for something and sometimes it takes us a little while to get there. Colleen is mature and wise beyond her years. At the age of 25, she's experienced a lot and has such an amazing career ahead of her. Colleen was actually on the show back in episode 50 with her teammates, Courtney Freyricks and Shelby Houlihan. And since then, Courtney has been back on the show. We'll have to get Shelby back on as well. But it was fun for me today to go a little bit more in depth with Colleen about her career specifically. Before we get started talking with Colleen, I want to thank one of our sponsors for this episode. And this is a new one, guys. So this episode is brought to you by Bissell Bark Bath. Who has a dog out there? We have a dog, Cadence, who is almost 10, which I just started thinking about it recently and I'm kind of sad because she's getting kind of old. I swear it was just yesterday that newlyweds Glenn and Lindsay went to the Humane Society and picked out sweet little Cadence. I don't know about you guys and your dogs, but keeping our dog clean on a regular basis is a lot more work in the winter time. And it also causes a big mess in the bathroom. And let's be honest, groomers are expensive if you do them often. So the Bissell Bark Bath allows pet parents, like me, to bathe their pet with virtually no mess, eliminating the inevitable cleanup that comes along with washing your four-legged family member. It's an all-in-one system that can be used in any room in your house, any time. I used it in the living room last night. The Bark Bath works with any length of fur or hair and uses a no-rinse shampoo. I love the no rinse shampoo because I feel like whenever I wash Cadence uh, with regular dog shampoo, I can never get all the shampoo out. Like I never get it all out. The specifically designed nozzles get beneath the fur and down to the skin, the true source of the stink. To allow water and shampoo to wash the skin while a soft suction pulls dirt and water away into a separate dirty water tank. And what's even better is the Bark Bath uses less than 48 ounces of water to clean pets up to 80 pounds compared to the traditional tub, which uses up to 19 gallons of water. I'm so thankful to have this product in our home with our sweet dog who, you guys, she sleeps in our bed. Not under our covers, but she sleeps on our bed, at the foot of the bed. And I feel a lot better when I can clean her on a regular basis myself. So Bissell sent me a unit and we are really loving it. And the boys, of course, my boys like to get in on the action as well. You guys can go to getbarkbath.com slash another to learn more and to buy your very own Bark Bath. And when you use the coupon code ANOTHER, all caps, you'll receive two bottles of free no rinse shampoo with your order. This coupon code is good for a limited time only. You're gonna want that free no rinse shampoo, guys. That's getbarkbath.com slash another and use the coupon code ANOTHER at checkout. Thank you so much, Bissell Bark Bath, for supporting this podcast. 
All right, you guys, let's go ahead and get this conversation rolling with Colleen. All right. How are you? Perfect. This is better anyway. I just got the pool, so goggle marks. <laughs> oh, per- oh, without the video? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you don't even want to know what I look like. I can't even I can't even talk about it. But you know what? This is actually good that we pushed it back an hour because uh, this hour in my house is like really hectic. So you're giving me like some freedom. Oh, good. What's going on in your house right now? Oh, just like with Kids the stuff. Yeah, just like the hours from like 530 to 7 are just crazy because my littlest goes to bed at 630 and um, he starts getting whiny and it's just like nowhere anybody wants to be. Escape. <laughs> so, all right, well, we can go ahead and jump right into it. I know you know the drill. It's been so long since we talked. I know. That was a year ago now, I think. Do you even remember these things? I mean, I feel like you get interviewed all the time. Actually, it was, that one was super fun because it was, um, you know, all, was it, I guess three of us. Yep. Michelle and Courtney. Yeah. So yeah, I thought that was super fun um, to do it like as a group and and kind of hear other people's responses to the questions and answer um, as a team was kind of fun. So I do remember that, but happy yeah. to be back. Yeah. Well, so we're talking with Colleen Quigley today and uh, Colleen was on the 50th episode. I did like a celebration episode with um, her and Courtney Freyricks and Shelby Houlihan. And did you know that Courtney's been back on the show? Oh, I didn't know that. No. Yeah, I interviewed her, um, must have been over the summer sometime, um, yeah. shortly after London. Just after. Okay, cool. Yeah, so that was really fun. So now I have to do Shelby individually as well. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, I kind of have this Bowerman Track Club girl thing going on, so I need to make sure I get all your teammates. Six other babes now, so we can introduce you. And you can have just endless podcasts with all the Barbie babes. <laughs> um, yeah, you guys have Kate Grace and Marielle. How do you say her name? Marielle Hall? Yep, Marielle Hall and Kate Grace just joined this fall. Um, so we are up to, yeah, up to nine now. That is awesome. Well, Colleen, I looked at your Instagram stories today. And if you guys don't follow Colleen, uh, she's got fun stories and I'm pretty terrified about that squirrel thing that Shelby was feeding the squirrel. <laughs> Shelby and I made a friend today at practice. After we got done with our run, there was this squirrel that was hanging around and Shelby had a banana and she decided to try and feed the squirrel because it was just coming right up to us. And so, yeah, I had to get the whole thing on video because it was literally eating banana pieces right out of, she was feeding it. Like she's holding little pieces, and then come right up, bite it off, right off of her fingers, and then it was like, chowing down. (laughs) I mean, just from when I interviewed you guys before, I'm like, I'm not surprised Shelby's not scared to do that. Yeah, she wasn't scared at all. I was like, what if it bites your finger? Like, it might have, I don't know, diseases. Yeah, I'd be terrified. That wasn't a concern. She thought it was so cute. I think she actually just made an Instagram post. She was trying to make a caption over lunch. So I think she just Instagrammed about her new squirrel friend named Simon. Oh, that's hilarious. And I love that she named it Simon. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to talk about your career. And, you know, <laughs> if I went back and listened to the 50th episode, I don't even remember how detailed I got to get with each of you, but I mean, it was only an hour, so we couldn't have gotten uh, too deep into things. So you ran in high school, obviously, yeah, and you were also modeled in high school, like you had a legit modeling career. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of unique, I guess, for runners. And I love that your dad was your coach. 
Yeah, me too. So my question with that, was your dad, like, was he the track coach at your high school? So my dad has about now, now over 30 years, I guess, because I'm getting old and he's getting old, um, of experience being a high school track and field and cross country coach. He coached, um, before me, he coached at Christian Brothers College High School, which is an all-boys school in St. Louis. Um, He coached the cross country and track teams there for a long time. Um, and then he actually coached there while my brother went to school there. And then my, so my brother's four years older than me. So he graduated my eighth grade year. So we were never in high school at the same time. And then when I got to high school, um, I, at the time I was dancing, I didn't want to run. I was like, I'm not a runner. My brother's a runner. Both my parents, uh, were runners in their day and I didn't want to be a runner. But I joined the cross country team my, my fall of my freshman year uh, to stay in shape for soccer. And my dad was still coaching at the all boys school. He wasn't coaching me that fall. And I ended up falling in love with the team. I mean, runners are awesome. And they, they were just girls that I loved hanging out with. And I loved being part of that team so much. So when it came time in the spring, I was going to try out for soccer. But I ended up just doing track. Um, and I think that spring I did okay. My freshman year, I don't even, like my dad knows all my times, but <laughs> <laughs> if you can ask him now, he'll know what I ran my freshman year. I have no idea, but, um, I like ran on the four by eight team and stuff. I think we might've made it to state my freshman year. Um, but anyway, so then he decided, oh, I think you have some talent. Um, I want to, you know, I want to switch over from the, the boys school where I don't have any, I mean, he doesn't, didn't have any skin in the game anymore over there. So he decided to come coach me. And for a long time, he just coached me. Basically, I was I was not coached by the coaches on my team. Um, by the time I got to like my junior year, my dad was just coaching me. Um, and now he is the head cross country and track coach of my old high school. And they have since, when I went to school there, we kind of sucked. Uh, we were... <laughs> Yeah, we weren't that good as a team. We had a couple of good individuals. My senior year, a girl and I placed at the state meet. I think we were fourth as a team. It was a sprinter and me, uh, just the two of us to, at the state meet when we placed. Um, but now, since I left, they became state champions in cross country. My old high school team, Nerex Hall, shout out. That's a big deal, first place. It was a huge deal. Yeah, yeah. we won state meet in Missouri, which is huge. Yeah, that's huge. Like two years after I left, maybe or three years after I left, and then they were like second and third the two years after that, um, and so yeah, it's been awesome to see him grow the program, even after I've left, um, grow the program into something I can be really proud of as an alumni. Yeah, I mean, I can remember running cross country in high school, and like the teams that got top three, even you know, even the teams that got third place, you they were like superhuman. These people, I thought. <laughs> I never even imagined that. To, I mean, it's like a pretty small all-girls Catholic high school. Yeah. And we can be in the biggest division in Missouri. We have like 650 girls in the whole school, I think. Um, yeah, all-girls. So that was a really, that was a huge moment to be. I couldn't even be there, but um, FaceTime with my mom. And she went and she was like crying. And it was just like a And even though it didn't happen when I was there, I still felt like I could be a part of it. Because my dad and I really started this wave of kind of elite um taking 
running seriously, taking track and field and cross country really seriously within our our school's program. And girls started girls now come to Nearings Hall to be coached by my dad because um, they know he's the best coach in the state. And he does, you know, he doesn't really do any recruiting. He does a little bit of coaching with some seventh and eighth graders that want to be coached by him. But it's pretty incredible, like what he's built. Um, and I hope that I can kind of take a little bit of credit for helping him build like this empire that he has now, which is really cool. Yeah, that is so cool. I, I didn't know you went to an all girls Catholic high school. Oh, yeah. That's intense. Yeah. Yeah. Plaid skirt, oh, collar yeah. skirt, didn't brush our hair all week. Then Friday comes, the girls all of a sudden look amazing. <laughs> you know, like, Oh, you mean no when, the boy, when the boys fashion. come? There's no boys, so no one cares all week. We all look horrible. And then Friday comes around and everyone's like changed into new humans. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, that's pretty funny. But And then I went to Florida State after that, which was like totally different. Yeah. Uh, my son goes to a Catholic school right now. And yeah. It's funny comparing the different schools, though, because I was I was in a different one, a different Catholic school the other day, like observing something and Mm -hmm. just how much more buttoned up that school was even compared to his school. I mean, they had blazers. I mean, these little like kindergartners are walking around with blazers on and their little plaid skirts. And oh, my God. But I wouldn't say we were like buttoned up, but yeah, (laughs) we were kind of ratchet. (laughs) (laughs) uh it's yeah in st louis it's a weird like there's lots of all girls and all boys catholic uh high schools so it was just kind of like it's normal there but a lot of people think that's kind of weird yeah so yeah you did choose to go to florida state and compete instead of i mean because honestly not too many people have this big decision you had to make (laughs) i mean you really truly had a really strong modeling career that you could have pursued in New York, but you chose to go to Florida state instead. And, you know, you still say to this day, that was the best decision you ever made. Yeah. Um, how did you come to that though? Yeah, that was, I guess looking back, it was so unique and I, I didn't really think that people would like care about it as much as they seem to, but the amount of questions I've gotten about it since then makes me really realize like, yeah, that was kind of a big deal, I guess, that I did that. Um, but at the time, I mean, yeah, it was it was something that I was really interested in. And I thought, like, everyone was telling me um, when I would go on jobs and stuff, they would actually want me. They're like, why are you even in school right now? You should just drop out and be homeschooled and, and model full time. And actually, it was funny because I was homeschooled until high school. Uh, my mom taught my brother, sister, and I until we got to high school. Um, but I didn't want to give up, like, the high school experience. I thought there was something special there. And that's something you, like, can't go back and do later, you know. And so I thought, you know, college I can probably go back and do later. But high school, like, you can't be a 30-year-old high school kid. Like, <laughs> just like that. So I really thought, and, and obviously my parents really thought that I needed to finish high school first. And then the plan was to move to New York and, like, be a full-time model and make all this money and become famous. And it was going to be great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But so then senior year came and I started getting offers from colleges to run for them. Um, And, like, that fall, and I was like, oh, well, I didn't really think 
think about that. Like, I didn't think that was going to be an option for me. I didn't think about getting a full ride offer to the number one or two, you know, uh, ranked school in the country for, for cross country. Like they want me on their team. And I was like, Oh, and I don't have to pay for school. Like that sounds pretty sick. So, um, I guess with my parents as well, we just kind of made the decision that modeling was something that was really fun and it was, you know, it was a good time. And I, I, I luckily, I will say too here that I feel really lucky that I don't have any stories from my modeling days that make me tweet something saying hashtag me too. Mm. That was not my experience at all. And I feel like now when I, now that I'm a little bit older and I can look back on that and think about how I was 16, 17 years old and I'm going on these shoots and yeah, my parents went with me, but like sometimes they dropped me off and I go into the shoot alone and you know, I'm so lucky that nothing, I have no bad stories, no bad experiences. I never felt like I was being taken advantage of. I had a couple of really great agents. Um, in my agency, I was managed by Wilhelmina in New York and um, West Model Management in St. Louis. And they took care of me like, you know, their own daughters, you know. So I had a great experience and it wasn't like I wanted to get away from it because of that at all. Um, I think it, I easily could have had a bad experience, but for some reason, you know, I was able to escape that. Um, I had so much fun, but it was also when it came down to making that decision, I think it was like, what am I the most proud of or what would I be the most proud of um, later on to like say that I did. And for me, it was running was always something that I felt like it was so hard, but that was something that when I accomplished my goal, like when I finally became state champion um, in Missouri, my senior year in the spring, it took me till the very last state championship I was going to ever compete in um, to be a state champion. And that was one of my goals. And I finally achieved it, the like the last second. Um, that felt amazing. It was so fun. And I was so proud of myself for that. And I never, it, while it was fun to be on shoots and like travel the world and go to Mexico and, I was in Glamour and 17 and stuff like that was fun and it was kind of fun to come back to school and have people see me in magazines and stuff but it was never I never had that sense of like pride and just like real accomplishment and like feeling like I did it you know that I did was and so I think at the end of the day when it came to decide that it wasn't that I had any bad feelings towards modeling I really enjoyed my time doing it but running was just something special and the opportunity to go to school for free and get my education paid for I was like I can't pass this up and so that's yeah I chose Florida State and I fell in love with the school and Coach Harvey and her team and the atmosphere and her team and then I remember halfway through my freshman year thinking oh my god I almost didn't come here <laughs> and I couldn't even imagine my life any other way because I was having so much fun being a Noel and being on the team and being part of something that was, I felt like was just so great. And so, yeah, I never, I feel like I've never had any moments where I was like, Oh, I kind of wish I had done that. Mm -hmm. Cause I'm like, no, then I wouldn't be here. And now I'm an Olympian. Like never, that's way better than being a mom. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it was awesome. It was super fun. I still get to do some stuff for Nike every now and again, like on the side. And that's always fun when I get to, but yeah, the real, 
their real like pride moments are um, after, you know, having an amazing race. I love that you bring up the Me Too thing because that's something I honestly didn't think about. I I thought about, you know, the body image thing and how a lot of times people in modeling deal with anorexia and eating disorders. Um, mm-hmm. And that certainly goes to the forefront of my mind. But mm-hmm. the taking advantage of and the sexual harassment, I wasn't mm-hmm. even thinking about that. So, yeah. you, know, you know, like in a time where that's all we're hearing about and with this disgusting Larry Nasser thing going on with the USA Gymnastics team. Yeah. It's like to hear you say that, it's like... Um, I know this sounds kind of corny, but it's like it actually gives you like feelings of hope that there are good people out there in these industries. Totally. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about it either, honestly, until like, I don't know, maybe like a month ago or something. And I was like, God, like I would I had just read an article about a couple photographers that I had known of when I was in the industry who shot a lot of male models. And I remember my male model friends saying stuff about the photographers like oh that guy's the worst like if you you have to let him like grope you or let him like say shit about you and I remember hearing that from my male model friends and I was like that's like really disturbing but it's really hard for male models to make it and so they were like yeah this guy's the best he shoots for all the best so you just have to like let him and it's really annoying Ugh. And I read the article recently about the, uh, the accusations had come out against these two photographers and all these male models were coming out and like speaking up about it. And I remember it was like flashback to when I had heard about it from a friend of mine. And I was like, God, like that never happened to me. I had, I definitely had experiences with photographers who were not nice mm-hmm. and who were kind of egotistical and like ordered people around and like yelled at their assistants and like nasty stuff like that, but not like the sexual harassment where you felt like violated or that it was like wildly inappropriate or anything. And I was like, God, how did I like escape all of that? And I never had to deal with it. And I felt, yeah, I felt like a big wave of gratitude that I somehow, you know, skated by all those kind of bad experiences. And I just had really positive experiences of like hairdressers that were so fun. <laughs> who were behind the scenes make you giggle and like um yeah just fun stuff where um editors you know would make friends with you and treat you like their little sister or something and so yeah I just had a blast and I definitely feel really really grateful that that is the story that I get to tell because I know that there's so many horrible stories yeah I actually was just listening to a podcast yesterday and um the person being interviewed was a professional photographer that shoots runway and she was saying how one day at the end of a long day a long shoot um some very famous model I don't know who it was she didn't say but she said she just came up to me and she had tears in her eyes and she was just thanking me for using her name and talking to her like she's a human instead of just ordering her around rudely yeah and there's definitely that too and I got a little bit of that I remember walking away from a couple shoots being like Sometimes it was even like, okay, they would talk to me nicely and then they would say something nice to me and then they'd turn around and like bark at their assistant. And then I'd be like, well, you're being totally disingenuous. You can't act like that to one person and then right in front of them act completely different to a person you think is like lesser than you. Hey, what did you, um, what did you, uh, win state in, in high school? I should know this, but I don't. <laughs> you're totally fine. Um, it's so funny. I love talking about it. Because it's like so long ago, but it still it means so much to me. Um, even though 
it's kind of ridi- ridiculous now. Oh, no, but it's not. I, I was third in cross country my junior and senior year. In senior year, I was so devastated. I don't think I've ever been so devastated after a race besides maybe London this year. But I was so devastated because I was third. And then I came back in the spring and I won the 1600 and the 3200. And oh. I <laughs> the 16 and the 32 in the, in the same state meet. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, you owned that meet. So, I mean. I had to wait for Emily Sisson to graduate. She was amazing. Oh, yeah, Emily Sisson. She trains with Molly Huddle, right? Yep. Uh huh. Yeah, I just had Molly on the podcast last week. Um, um, so, but then you go on, uh, and you won an NCAA title. Mm-hmm. Four years after that. Took me another four years to get to that. <laughs> How gratifying is that, though? You got to wait till that senior year to get it going, to do it. I think that's, a, like, a kind of important um, message to to athletes that, like, the gratification doesn't always come right away. Sometimes you have to wait until the very end, but it was that moment of winning an NCAA title at Hayward Field my senior year, that was still one of the most amazing moments of my life. Like, that goes, like, right behind making the Olympic team run, running the trials um, the next summer. Like, right behind that was, like, winning, you know, winning NCAAs at Hayward Field and being the underdog. And, yeah, that was incredible, even though I had to wait for four years for it. It was so amazing. Who was expected to win that race? Uh, Leo O'Connor w- had won the year before. Mm. Uh, my junior year, I had to sit out for a stress reaction in my uh, fourth metatarsal. I found out about it like a week before regionals, and so I didn't even get to run at regionals. I didn't get to go to Hayward at all with my team. I was like so devastated. I never had to sit out because of an injury before. And so all summer, I, like, licked my wounds and trained really hard. Had a, a decent fall that year. I kind of disappointed uh, myself in cross country. I was, like, back in, like, 20th place. I had been sixth the year before that. So kind of disappointing fall. But then a solid um, indoor season. Still didn't win a title there. I was third in indoor mile. And then, yeah, outdoors, everyone was just expecting Leah to win again because she had won the year before. And so I kind of got to fly under the radar as far as, like, interviews and hype before about, you know, like, who was expected to win. Like, all eyes were on Leah, and she was doing all the, all that stuff. And I was like, you know what? It's fine. Like, I can just come in here and do my own thing. I don't have to worry about answering questions. I just can, like, just kind of under the radar, get the job done. And I really felt like, you know, if I didn't mess it up, that I could win. And... I just executed the race plan that we had made. I feel like I executed it so well and and stayed calm in the in the ninth hour and um, yeah, it was it was such an amazing race. And then I got to do it all over again two weeks later and made the the world's team and I got to compete for USA the first time that summer in Beijing. Is that when you knew when you uh, won that title? Is that when you knew you were going to go professional, or had you already signed with Nike? Um, so I hadn't signed with Nike yet, but I was in talks with Nike and, um, like Adidas and Puma and New Balance and like all those kind of the big names. And I was trying to decide between everybody and, and trying to really the most important part for me was trying to find the right training environment. So I wanted to find the coach and the team. I really wanted a group to train with. I didn't want to be alone. Um, I didn't want to have to be going through this professional 
um, career alone with, you know, just like trying to use my college coach or something. Um, so I was looking for the group and then the coach, you know, have teammates. And then, um, so that was the bottom of track club, like hands down. And so Nike just comes right along with that, which worked out great for me because I had been Nike in college anyway. So it was like what I was used to and what I was comfortable with anyway. I've always been, always been Nike. So at the time I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I was just really focused on the NCAAs. And then I had two weeks before USA's to kind of figure everything out for sure and get everything settled. And then I raced in the BTC kit at USA's two weeks later. I mean, I feel like if I were going to go run professionally right now, like that would ever be an option. (laughs) I'd want to go run with you guys. Like I want to be friends (laughs) with you guys and like watch The Bachelor with you guys and run with you guys up mountains and stuff. I mean, I'd I, yeah. I, you know, I don't know what looking at other groups would You're be so, like, but you guys seem so fun. Thank you. I mean, I'm obviously completely biased, but I think we just have the most badass group ever. And every yeah. time we add another person, it's like, inc- we don't even bother with, oh, I don't know, like this could be like a good de- developmental thing or something. It's like, we are just, every time we add someone, they're rock stars and they fit. And not only that, but like, they fit so well in the group, you know, Marielle and Kate have been just instantly amazing. They're so sweet and so easy to get along with. We're at altitude camp together with, um, we have seven women here right now and five, five guys. And so we have two houses of women cause we don't all fit in one house, which is awesome. That's so fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've just integrated them flawlessly into the group. They're both amazing people, so humble um, and so badass and just really hardworking. I know it's both of them, for Marielle um, at least, it, this is her first time at Altitude. And I know it's, oh God, that struggle is so friggin' hard. I've, I still very vividly remember my first time at Altitude, even my second and third time were really hard. Uh, it just takes a lot of getting used to, and she is incredible. She's just takes every day in stride, and sometimes it's really fun and comes easily, and sometimes it's not. And that's true for me even now. This is like my fifth or sixth altitude camp, and it's still like, God, running at 7,000 feet, running hard at 7,000 feet just is, it sucks. And it's different than running at sea level. And they're both, they just take it in stride. They don't get worked up about it. You know, they're just like, I'm going to do my best, do whatever I can, and um, that will be enough. And it's, yeah, they're just amazing people to work next to and and feed off of. They have really good positive energy. So we are pumped to have them on the team. And, um, yeah, the, the, the vibe here is it's pretty incredible. For those of us can like reminisce back to old school, high school cross country days. And it, I mean, there is something so special about the bond that you make with the girls on your team. I mean, I can remember like summers and cross country camp and, and taking that into your adult years, like being able to do that, that's gotta be so special. And I just don't think there's that many like groups in the country that are really like that. It's kind of hard to find. Yeah. Um, yeah, but and it makes such a big difference. Like last year at the trials, you know, we put in like six weeks at altitude before we go to the trials, all together in the mountains, uber focused, working so hard, trying to be relaxed, but like a serious six weeks of training at altitude. And then we go into the trials, like 
ready to fight guns blazing and everyone gets to race and you get to watch each other race and with every race that goes by you know everyone is making the team like every single girl that competed made the team amazing just like watching that momentum grow and grow um watching emily make it and it's like okay like she was injured at the same time I was, and we both have been working really hard. Like, I got to go, and so it's my turn, and I make it. And then Shelby's last, Shel- uh, me and Courtney make it, I should say, and then Shelby's last, and she's like, everyone else has already made it. I got to go. So it's just like it builds this great momentum and just kind of inspiring each other. Um, we've been all working together. If you can make it, I can make it. Uh, and we did. So it's like, really cool. So, yeah, let's talk about that real quick. You you went to Rio and you placed eighth in the yeah. Olympics, eighth place in the world, everybody. <laughs> it was, yeah, I mean, for my first Olympics, I felt pretty good about that. I was always room for improvement. I remember being a bit disappointed right afterwards because I felt like I didn't have the best race in the final. I didn't feel that great, and I don't think I competed, like, to my best ability. But like you said, it was eighth place in the world. I was 23. So there will be hopefully other opportunities to, you know, to grow on that. And I definitely have bigger goals for the next time. But yeah. I can't believe that the steeplechase for women wasn't added into the Olympics as an event until 2008. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, Pretty new. Um, And I think that's why it's gotten so over the past like four years, it's really gotten really competitive because people are starting to take it seriously as an event now. Um, and yeah, on the world level, it's like getting pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I loved, I read all your blog posts um, on your website today and I loved hearing you talk oh. about kind of like sharing that Rio experience with your family as well, like <laughs> after the event and yeah. kind of celebrating together. It was crazy. My aunt and uncle, so my dad's family is from Paducah, Kentucky. It's a small town uh, about three hours away from where, where I grew up in St. Louis. Um, and we're really close with all my dad's family. And my, so one of his, he's one of four boys. And they uh, were all super close growing up. And so one of my uncles, uh, aunt, aunt and uncle, they never took a honeymoon. And so they kept talking a big game about, like, if you make it to the Olympics, we're going to go. And so then I made it, and I was like, yo, you guys are going to go or what? (laughs) And they were like, yeah, we're coming. (laughs) My aunt had never been on a plane before. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. She barely left the state of Kentucky. I think they went to, like, uh, they go to, like, Florida sometimes for vacation. But she had never been on a plane, and so her first plane was to go down to Rio. Was she terrified? She was terrified. But she did so well. She really embrace the experience everything was different everything was foreign everything was probably pretty scary but she did an awesome job she got herself one of those like purses that you can't like scan through or whatever if someone's trying to like get your personal information mm. she was like all about like <laughs> stuff she's reading I'm sure all the travel blogs and figuring out what she should do but it was awesome they were there my parents were there uh, my brother and my sister made it and my boyfriend was there too so it was really fun to share that, share the whole experience with them. And like I was after the race, I was like a little disappointed. And then as soon as I saw all them, I came out into the like stadium where they 
um, were waiting for me and they were all just, yeah, I would like want to cry when now I'm talking about it, but it's there with like a flag and um, yeah, I was like, how could I be upset? This is amazing. Yeah. (laughs) I can, I'm picturing like how you feel in that disappointment, but then, and, but then it kind of all coming to and all the family being there and then realizing this is a huge deal in that disappointment. Wait a minute. I'm at the Olympics. I just got eighth place in the world at the Olympics and yeah, that's weird what our emotions do in situations like that. Yeah. Both my parents and my brother had the goal of making it to the Olympic trials. Um, my parents were trying to make it in the marathon and my brother in the 5k and, um, none of them were able to do it. And then, yeah. So I was like, like that also just gives me a, a whole level of appreciation for every step of this journey is like to be grateful that I could even be at the trials to be grateful that even though I was injured, I made the freaking team. I made the final and then I was eighth in the final. Like, what am I complaining about? This is an incredible thing that I get to tell my grandkids one day. <laughs> yeah. And I think you have a really good, um, fresh perspective, even at 25. I mean, it's so young, but just kind of like your attitude of gratitude with everything. I mean, you've been dealing with injury a lot on and off over the past few years and just injury makes you really grateful for what you can do when you can do it. Absolutely. I wish I didn't have to keep having the injuries to remind me to be grateful for every day. But like, yeah, every time I get injured, it's like a setback. I'm like annoyed and stuff. But then it reminds me um, how much I do love what I do and so when it's taken away I'm not like uh whatever like I'll go do something else I like work my ass off to get back to being able to do what I love at an elite level and then when I get back to training with the team again and like getting back into workouts even though it sucks at first because you're out of shape and like it's so hard to get back into shape you almost are thinking like why am I even doing why did I want to do this in the first like this is miserable but trying to have an attitude of like when I was in the pool a month ago, I would have died to be out here dying yeah. on the track. You know, I'd much rather have been out here. So now I'm here getting to do it. And I'm like trying to remind myself not to wish that away or wish that I didn't have to be there because that's like what it's all about. And and I get to struggle next to these amazing girls who switch off the lead, switch off laps. You know, if, if you feel like you're in the middle of the workout, I'm like, guys, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to go sit in the back on this one, you know, and she'll be like, that's fine, I like leading anyway, of and course. the next rep, and I just hang on tight, <laughs> and, like, how lucky am I to have that, because if I was doing it alone, it would be a million times harder, but yeah, the injury definitely sucks, and also, the other thing about that is that I have so many people that whenever, you know, I'm super open about it, I tell everyone everything, I'm like, completely <laughs> Yeah, I don't, like, hide when I'm injured. A lot of people just, like, disappear oh, sure. off social media. And I'm just, like, I don't really care. I just tell everyone. Because um, I think it's part of the struggle. And, and so many people will send me messages and emails and Instagram messages talking about uh, asking for advice. Like, oh, I'm injured right now, too. Like, what are you doing in the pool? And try and ask for advice and help. And that also just makes me feel connected. And I hope it makes them feel connected to um, a community of people who, like, you're – it's so lonely to be injured. I tell people this all the time. Like, I know you must feel really lonely right now because you can't work out with your team and you're probably in the pool by yourself. And that's, that's lonely, but you're definitely not alone because I'm in the pool too. Even if we're not together, like I'm also there in the pool um, alone. And no matter what time of the year you're injured, 
there's definitely other people who are dealing with um, similar issues. And so it's not like you feel like such a freak or such a weirdo or like, you know, like you're embarrassed about being injured. But the truth is that like it just happens to everybody at some point. And so like if this is your time, then that's just something you have to work through and hopefully learn something from and use that as an opportunity to just get stronger and get better and test your dedication to your sport because that is definitely a good test of how much you love it. And every time I get injured, I feel like I fall more in love with running. Well, it's definitely relatable even to, you know, people that are just running for fun or, you know, Mm -hmm. for their own competitive reasons, not at the elite level. I mean, I can, I've been injured plenty myself and even just like having all these babies, like last year, (laughs) last fall, fall 2016, I had like a 10 day old at the marathon that I usually run. And then the next year, this past (laughs) year, I just remember the night before the marathon, I was like, I'm so excited that I get to race this marathon and I don't have to like, not that I don't love my babies, but I'm not like standing on the sidelines with a 10 day old cheering other people on. Like it just makes you so grateful when you can do it. Absolutely. And I can't even imagine what that feels like. You're probably like, I feel always like out of shape and like my body feels weird and stuff, but I can't even imagine after having a human child come out of you, like you absolutely have to find a whole new, you know, a whole new you, a whole new running and just like figuring out your body again. So I, I've watched that happen to a couple, you know, friends of mine and teammates of mine and like, that is so hard. So absolute kudos to those women who still run afterwards and run like really well after having kids. It's, really impressive and that takes a lot of dedication too well there's a lot of freedom to going out for a run by yourself after you have these little people (laughs) yes it's it's like the best freedom ever all right everybody i hope you're loving this conversation with colleen i know i had so much fun recording it before we continue the conversation i want to thank four sigmatic for supporting this podcast Four Sigmatic makes drinking mushrooms and superfoods delicious and easy to do with their mushroom coffees, mushroom superfood blends, and mushroom elixirs. We first heard about this when I had Allie Kiefer on the podcast who placed fifth at the New York City Marathon. She was raving about it. And guess what, guys? Allie's coming back on the show. I'm talking to her next week. I'm really excited about that. She is training in Africa right now, so can't wait to talk to her about everything that's going on in her life. But back to Four Sigmatic, which I'm sure she's still using. Glenn and I have been using the superfood blends in our morning juice faithfully, and we are loving it. I just ordered the mocha mix. Can't wait to try that. If you're looking for something to calm you down at night, to relax and help you get a good night's sleep, check out the Rishi Elixir. That's a great one for that while also helping you sleep and promoting that. It provides good nutrients as well to your body. Another product I recommend is the Cordyceps Elixir, which provides you with steady energy. You know when you drink coffee, you get that spike, and then it kind of comes crashing down, similar to sugar in a way? Well, the Cordyceps Elixir gives you a steady energy and helps you focus more. Also, it can help you recover from a hard workout. You guys, check out Four Sigmatic and all they have to offer when you go to foursigmatic.com another, that's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash another. 
and use the promo code ANOTHER to get 15% off your order. I do want to mention guys that that promo code, that 15%, doesn't work if you do a subscription. And when you support a sponsor of this podcast, you're directly supporting my show and I only bring on sponsors that I believe in and that I trust and that I legitimately use myself. So go to foursigmatic.com slash another. Use the promo code another to get 15% off. Links to all that will be in the show notes at lindsayhine.com. All right, guys, let's continue my conversation with Colleen. So I want to get to after Rio, uh, you guys, you know, take some time off, whatever. And But I want to talk about London. Yeah. Because for people listening, Colleen ran a really great race in London, like really smart race, kind of um, I'll give everybody a quick rundown. Um, if You can t- correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it sounds like the two ladies in the front kind of took it out slow and you were you were being smart with where you were in the race and then it was kind of a big hectic mess in the last jump right. and you didn't realize it at the time but after the race you were disqualified after coming in third place in your heat moving on to the finals yep that's exactly the story yeah i i didn't realize it until i got into the media zone and one of the reporters was like have you heard have you heard and i was mm. like heard what you know, I had no idea just what he was talking about, and he said it just been disqualified, and so I just skipped the rest of the interviews, and I went to go find Team USA people and find my coach and try and figure out what had possibly happened. Because I, when he said that, I didn't even know what I'd been disqualified for. Like I had no idea what I could have been disqualified for. Like I, you know, there was a lot of shoving. There was a lot of when the race is slow like that. You know, there's and there's barriers involved. <laughs> there's a lot of shoving around and people trying to find position and jostling and stuff. So I was like, God, did I shove someone and they fell? Or I had no idea. I was like, I hope, you know, I hope I didn't. Or if I did, it was definitely unintentional. So maybe, you know, they can go back and find that it was unintentional or I'm like, surely this will, this will be reversed um, was kind of like my first thought. I'm like, well, I didn't do anything. So for sure, you know, we're going to go back in the tapes, we're going to figure it out, and Team USA will handle it, and, you know, it won't be a problem. But it turns out that it was a problem, and I had indeed stepped on um, half of my left foot, stepped on half of the white line that separates where you can run and where you can't run. And so that was enough for, yeah, the very strict officials um, of England to... To decide that I was not able to run in the final. And then, you know, most people probably know the story of what happened in the final with Emma and Courtney from Team USA going 1-2, getting gold and silver in a historic, amazing, impressive, just incredible, perfect race in the final that I, you know, I will always wish I got to be a part of. But, Mm. um, yeah, I was watching it from the stands and had to... Yeah, had to tearfully watch what was, like, so amazing and, like, so heartbreaking at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, it was really hard. Were you crying in the stands? Yeah, as soon as – it was crazy. I I had this feeling, like, with, like, two or three laps to go. I was just watching it with my boyfriend, and um, it was just the two of us, and my family was sitting somewhere else um, because we had kind of – like I had a different pass or whatever. So anyway, I was just sitting there with him and like two or three laps to go. I was just like, I think Courtney's going to get a medal. Mm -hmm. And he was like, really? Like that'd be like 
surprising. And I was like, I don't know. I just like all of a sudden I got this feeling in my stomach that she's going to get a medal. And then like as they were coming around the last like water pit and she was in, in first for a hot second, like on the, like right before they go into the pit. Um, and it was just like, holy shit. And then, yeah, then I just started bawling. Mm. As soon as they crossed the line, I had to, like, I just had to walk away because it was, like, really emotional. Um, I couldn't believe it. Like, the whole race was kind of like, they're doing really well. They're doing really well. They're doing really well. And then I was like, oh, my God, this might actually happen. And then it was just, I felt so sad that I, like, I didn't even get a shot. Who knows? Like, a lot of people were like, oh, we would have gone one, two, three. Who knows what would have happened? Like, I'm not going to sit here and say that I would have been on the podium because that's ridiculous claim to make when you didn't even get to run the race. But all I know is that I felt amazing in the prelim and I've been training right next to Courtney all summer. We were doing the same workouts. Um, I had run a big PR in the 1500. I ran two weeks before that. I ran 403.9 or something. Um, so I knew I was in the shape of my life and that race was like magical. Like one of the top girls missed the first water pit, like didn't take the first water pit, mm. like messed up. It was a complete mistake. And that put her, she had to turn around and go back oh, and approach the pit. And she, I mean, she was one of the top, like she was ranked in the top like three and so she, and then she was like 50 meters behind everyone or like maybe even a hundred. And so she had to like sprint to catch up. She's out of the race at that point. She just killed it first off in the first hundred or first 400 meters. So like it was that crazy stuff happened. And then even like a big tumble happened about halfway through somebody tripped and took out Gesa Krauss, who's a German girl who was ranked up there. And then Aisha Pratt, who runs for Jamaica now, she got um jostled and taken down by some girl who fell in front of her um and Courtney and Emma were they were ahead of that they didn't get affected by that so like stuff like that was like it was just the perfect race and I'm not foolish I know that perfect races just don't happen every time and while I'll get the opportunity to race again a day like that where I was healthy and I was fit and it was a great race, and it was it was well-paced for Courtney and I's, you know, fitness level. Like, all those things coming together, that's just, that's a rare occurrence and a really, like, lucky special day. And I'm really happy for Courtney that she got to, to experience that. And, like, she used that to the, you know, utmost. She absolutely took advantage of that perfect opportunity. And, I, you know, I'm so happy that she got to. But I'll always kind of just be sad that um, that perfect day, you know, I didn't even get to see what I could have done because you just, you never know. So how did you, I mean, you've had to work through this. It's been a little while now. It hasn't been that long, though. How, <laughs> how did you kind of move on and get your head up and say, okay, focusing on what's next? Yeah. Well, the first thing I had to do was, well, God, the first thing was that the next day, or that actually, was it two, yeah, I guess the next day, I got food poisoning. Ugh. I had, like, shrimp at some freaking restaurant, and I got food poisoning. I was throwing up for, like, all night, 
and felt horrible for like two days. I got really dehydrated and stuff and just like felt horrible. Oh, wait, like, stop off the week. Like, Come on. <laughs> the word. Oh, God, it's so bad. And then my boyfriend and his, his, he was so distraught. The poor guy was on the tube and left our really fancy uh, DSLR camera on the tube. So we like lost our camera. I got food poisoning. I got disqualified. <laughs> it was like the worst week ever. Yeah. Uh, but we bounced back. So I had to run. Uh, I still had more races to run that summer in Europe. We had a, a schedule set and I was, I was lined up to do um, another steeple in Berlin like 10 days later. And then as soon as I got disqualified, my agent got on the phone and he got me into the Diamond League 1500 in Birmingham like three days later. So that was awesome because I had never run in a Diamond League 1500 before. <laughs> um, and I was like two places behind Jenny Simpson, which was awesome. Yeah. So I like that was fun. Um, and then I ran... Berlin and then I ran fifth Ave to finish the season so I knew that I had some more opportunities to race well and I really wanted to like I didn't want that race to like end my season I didn't want to pack my bag I like could have if I had just told my coach and my agent like I'm done I just want to go home you know they would have they would have totally understood they would have just like booked me a ticket and sent me home to like you know bury my head and under the pillows um, but I decided, like, I still have great opportunities to race. I've been working so freaking hard all summer. Like, I don't want to just waste all this fitness. I still feel really fit. Like, I'm still the same person. So I was like, I'm not wasting all that work that I did. So we ended up, like, continuing and just keeping the same schedule. So I had to just keep my head up and focus on the races that I had ahead of me because I was like, it's it ain't over. Like, the summer's not over. <laughs> I think after the summer was over I kind of let myself like um like I just buried it for a while but then I kind of took it back out like in September and let myself kind of go through it more um and it was hard for sure and I still felt heartbroken and like bitter and just like angry but now I kind of feel like like still a little like it'll always be a little bit sad but I think I feel now more like at peace with it and just like you know it's a bummer it's definitely, that's going to be probably, hopefully, the biggest, like, upset of my entire career. Um, and that, honestly, that would probably be lucky if that was the biggest upset of my entire career. And there's always people who have worse stories than you, so um, it was kind of nice to have people, like, tell me their worst stories um, and worst upsets. But it was, I mean, not to, to make light of it, because it was still, it was you know, definitely heartbreaking, but I still, I feel like now we're on the right track. I can be that person again. I can find that fitness again. I'm still Colleen. I'm still that person that I was then. And I just have to find the right race again and have confidence that if it happened before, then it can happen again. And, um, while I have to, I do have to wait a while because <laughs> don't have world champs this summer. Yeah. Um, there's not another world championships until 2019 and it's going to be in Doha, which kind of blows, but, um, and then the year after that obviously would be Tokyo. So there'll be more opportunities for sure. And I'm looking forward to this summer, not having a world champs, honestly, because we'll be able to race a lot of diamond leagues and hopefully just have a, a more like, you know, every summer that I've been a pro so far, both summers, there've been like this or all three summers. 
there have been like this big race, you know, world champs or the Olympics that everyone's focused on and like nothing else matters except for this. And so I think it'll be fun to have a summer where you have like a bunch of big races and a bunch of opportunities to run fast and it'll be like hopefully a little bit more low key and more, more, uh, less stressful. Well, and let's not fail to mention that you did go on to PR in Berlin. Uh, yeah, I did have a little PR. Um, of course, not what I was looking for. Courtney was awesome. She actually paced me through 2K of that race, um, and she did an amazing job. And then right after she dropped off, the girl who was in the lead like took off, and I didn't go with her. And then I just kind of yeah didn't have the last K that I probably should have. Um, but I did still PR a little bit and kind of finished the season on like, well, at least, you know, I want to definitely want to, you know, be getting better every year. And so if I had PR, that would have been kind of just like, well, I didn't progress this year. Yeah. So I, you know, I had a big PR in 1500 and a little PR, uh, in the steeple and, um, didn't leave. Yeah. Didn't leave the year completely, completely wasted. <laughs> and I had a ton of fun at fifth Ave after that too racing against um you know a bunch of 1500 girls and that was my first time ever being invited to run at fifth ave because that's always been something i've looked at doing like being like oh like one of these days i'm gonna be you know good enough to run at fifth ave and so i got invited to run at fifth ave which was really cool and i had a, a ton of fun i can't wait to go back next year and do it again yeah it looks really fun and seems like all the i mean it seems like everybody's invited in that like group of girls at that competitive level that you're at well, Courtney was super sweet when I interviewed her after London. You know, just she, I could tell that she felt your heartbreak so close to her um, being in that race and being your teammate. And then I know that she was honored to, to pace you and, and kind of pay it forward in any way she could, you know, for Berlin. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she had a hard, like, kind of transition where, like, I feel like she had a lot of doubt going into London about like like different workouts that you know joining a new group I had a year on her because I joined a year mm -hmm. before mm -hmm. and I had all those struggles the year before about oh my god everything is so hard and I can't finish workouts and so I think she had a little bit of that last year um and so to see her go into London and really just like take control of her destiny and have that race where she I mean there was not an ounce of, of any lack of confidence in that race strategy that she took. She just like freaking went for it. And that was so cool to see. And then afterwards, yeah, she felt, I think she was expressed like some real gratitude to like our group and our team of girls that like we all were supporting each other all summer. And anytime anybody had a bad workout, um, cause you know, on any day it could have been any of us being like upset about not, not having done what we were hoping to that day or not being able to stick on the pace or whatever. And, um, yeah, anytime any of us had that kind of day, there was four other girls to be there to kind of pick you up and be like, Hey, it's one day. Like you're fine. You're in amazing shape. You're going to be great. And so, yeah, I think afterwards she was like, you know, Hey, like, <laughs> let's go, let's do it again. I want to help. I want to help you, um, you know, still have a good race in Berlin. And so that was really awesome. She did an amazing job pacing. She has an awesome inner clock. I think she's trained a lot by herself and college and stuff. And so she knows pace really well. So she was an amazing pacer. She didn't go out too fast or too slow or anything. She was like right on. 
You guys all have such a special relationship. And I'm sure that like the fact that you guys are in the same event, so your workouts are probably <laughs> so, so together. I'm sure that that <laughs> makes you even closer, the two of you. I mean, it's definitely a challenge. We're, we're you know, teammates, but we're also direct competitors. Sure. So, so sometimes that can be challenging, but I think we both know that we are better together than separately and being able to push each other and we're close and like, to constantly keep us like kind of um honest about workouts about pieces and stuff like that um i know that we are we make each other both better people chasers and better athletes because of it so i'd yeah any day rather be training with her than trying to beat her um separately from from her so yeah we're we're definitely lucky to have each other so did you you just got added to the Wanamaker Mile at the Milrose Games? Yeah. Yeah, Jerry called me last weekend and he was like, What's your run at Milrose? And I was like, You do? <laughs> <laughs> when is it? Yeah, I was like, When is that? Two <laughs> 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 weeks. Oh crap. <laughs> uh yeah, we'll see. I mean, I had to take all fall off of running basically. I worked out with the team. Our first workout back was October twenty fourth. And I remember that day it was, um, it was, um, Kate's birthday and worked out, had a great workout, even though I've been having like some serious issues, but for some reason my, yeah, the workout went great. Jerry was like, you're in shape, like awesome cue. Like you had a, you know, a good, some good time off, but you're like, you're looking good. And I was like, yeah, like that actually was good. And then the next day I like couldn't walk and had to get an MRI and turned out I had some edema in my calcaneus bone my heel bone and um so yeah I had some like really annoying major issues this fall and I had to take like six or eight weeks off of running completely and then like got back into a little bit and um just some various issues I got a PRP shot on Monday in my hip um and I'm training through that so I'm not taking time off for that but um, like, yeah, some like issues, but actually workouts have been going okay. And so I guess the thing w- with Jerry is that if he tells you you're ready to race, that means you're ready to race. Cause he doesn't like, he doesn't sugarcoat things. Um, he never lies to you. So he would not put me in the mill where I was want to make her mile if I wasn't ready for it. So that definitely gives me some, some confidence, even though I've, I've definitely missed some training and missed a good chunk of the base work that the girls did this fall. So yeah, we'll see. It'll be fun. It's a good field. Yeah. So is that like just as exciting as the fifth Ave mile? Um, I think so. I've never raced Milrose before. Um, I've always, that's another one that I've always been on the outside looking in and it's always so competitive. Kate ran like 422 there last year, I think. Um, I think she won it or maybe she was second. Um, and so, yeah, it's always really competitive. The best of the best always show up there. Um, and you know, the best of the best milers. So last year, I think USATF rankings, uh, had me fifth in the 1500 in, um, the States for the year. So like that was kind of a good, you know, confidence booster for me. I was ranked third in the steeple and fifth in the 1500. So I'm like, okay, like I can battle it out with some of the best 1500 girls like I'm right in there I can run a 403 when I'm in shape I don't think I'm shaped to run a 403 right now but 1500 oh so who else from your team is going um it'll just be me Kate and Ryan Hill okay awesome Kate and I'll be in that and then Shelby Shelby and Marielle are going to run the 3k in Boston oh they are 
Yeah, and then Courtney and Emily and Jager are going to Tallahassee, my alma mater city, to run um, cross country, USA Cross. Oh, cool. Oh, so yeah, fun. So going all over the place um, for some, some races after this, but yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I'm going to be in Boston. My husband's running this year, so I... Oh, no way! Yeah, I'm going to have to look for Shelby at the race. I'll be there. Yeah. Yeah. So fun. Well, I was awesome. What is he running? He's running the marathon. Awesome! Yeah, I don't... He... We've both run it a couple times, and um, just like... It was like a... You know, the day before registration closed, and he was like, you know what... I think I'm going to run Boston this year. And it's just a big decision when you have three little kids to like, you know, A, financially to be like, eh, we're going to make the trip out there. But B, like to find childcare for everybody. And, um, you know, with my podcast and everything, I was like, if he's going to go run Boston, I I have to go and just like, you know, meet up with people and be part of the experience. And plus, um, cheering at Boston is almost equally as fun as running. So I'm excited. Yeah. Never, yeah, I've never been. Shalane's going to do it this year. I know. Uh, I'm so excited. Oh, gosh, I hope. Yeah, I mean, I say I hope. I know Jerry's never going to let us go. He wouldn't let us go to New York either. We all wanted to go and cheer on. Oh, yeah. But I think New York is pretty hard to cheer for. But Boston, Boston, you can get around pretty easily to cheer. Yeah, I mean, I... Well, I guess I've only been a spectator once. And I... That year, I was like seven months pregnant. And I just like... Ooh parked it at the finish line because then you can see like the elite women come in the elite men and then you you know look for your person that you're specifically cheering for so it's kind of like you can see everybody Mm. um and I don't know the the bus system or the train system too well or or anything there so like I kind of just like park it up at the like mile 25 or a little bit after that and hang out for the day Yeah, so I'm excited. I'm so excited Shalane's running. And, I mean, the the women's field is just, like, insane. Yeah. Do you think you'll run a marathon someday? Oh, God. Um, I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you have to. You will. (laughs) It's kind of funny. It's one of those things. If you're a real runner, like, if you talk to people who, you know, don't run or don't anything about running, like, you try and tell them you're a professional runner, and they, like, do not get it. They're, like so what like what does that mean and they'll ask you two questions and don't know which order it could be in any order but they're going to ask you two questions are you an olympian (laughs) or have you run a marathon and so if they ask me to have you run a marathon question I'm always like no and it's like makes me feel so illegitimate so I I feel like I have to at some point run a marathon just to say that I did it but I don't think that I like Okay, here's the thing. I watched Elaine and Amy, like, train for the marathon. Like, train for the marathon. Like, doing it at the highest level. Mm. And it is so stinking hard. The workouts that they do, the long runs that they do, my body can't run for more than, like, I think my longest run I've done with Jerry is an hour and 45 minutes. And it was pure death. (laughs) And... They run for like three hours. Their longest run is like three hours. And Amy is here with us now. And she runs a marathon like every weekend for a long run. I'm like, oh my God. And then she'll do like 20 times 800 on the track halfway through the week. Um, I just, it sounds like, it sounds miserable to me. Courtney is on the opposite side of the spectrum. She can't wait to do one. Emily can't wait to do one. Um, yeah, but I just, 
I hope that I don't have to do it. <laughs> well, it seems like just like as you mature in your career, like once you once you're like over thirty, right. and it's like okay, what's next? And it seems like everybody's exactly. like, I better try the marathon. I know. I know. I hope I like. Yeah, I might be doing something else by then. <laughs> you might be modeling instead. Oh yeah, I might be or like doing some. I have no idea. Maybe I'm. I'll be managing my own granola business by then. I'm trying to launch a, a granola business right now, so maybe I'll be CEO of a major granola company. Well, we ha- we should talk about that a little bit before we finish up because I have noticed that on your Instagram, and you went to school for dietetics, which, by the way, that's what I went to school for too. No way! I didn't know that. Yeah, but I was a really bad student, and it just it ended up not being the path for me, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, it's funny because uh, for my 100th episode of this podcast, I had one of my previous guests interview me. and um, oh, cool. Yeah, but without even thinking about it, we kind of talked about that a little bit. And I said, you know, looking back at 34, this is kind of more my passion, like communication and things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, why didn't I go to school for that? But it's like, well, who knows <laughs> what they want to do at 18, you know? Yeah, 18. You didn't know what the heck you wanted. Yeah, but so... So I still love nutrition and I love learning about it and all this. Um, but yeah, you're making your little granola and tell us about that a little bit. <coughs> and I might never become a dietitian either. Um, but cause I'm not going to probably do the, you, you have to do internship. the internship. Yeah. But yeah, I still have a passion for food too. And I love nutrition and I love eating well. I love the way that eating well makes me feel. I love how when I'm training really hard, um, I love how, Proper nutrition helps me recover better and get more out of myself and all those types of things. I just feel better. I sleep better. I have clearer skin when I eat well. I have more energy. Um, all those amazing things about nutrition. So it's still a passion for me, and I love sharing recipes with people on my newsletter. Um, I don't know if I had to have a newsletter last time I talked to you. I, um, I feel like you were kind of like starting right this off like after yeah. we talked. Totally. Yeah, I think my first one was like February last year. But yeah, now I'm doing like newsletters where I send out, sometimes I send out recipes. I'm actually going to send one out on Saturday with some more recipes, but I like doing stuff like that. And then um, the granola thing just kind of came about because I was, um, well, first of all, I was eating a lot of yogurt and granola. I I do plain um, 2% or whole milk Greek yogurt with granola on top as a dessert a lot of nights instead of like ice cream when I'm training and still kind of hits that spot for me without um all the the extra sugars like unnatural um processed sugars so I'm like okay this is a good thing I've got going on and then I realized that a lot of the granola that I'm buying has all these crap ingredients in it like Mm -hmm syrup and all these hidden sugars and like weird names that you don't realize what they are even and I'm like I don't like this is not what I'm trying to do I'm trying to have a like a healthy dessert and so then I just decided well heck I'm just gonna make it myself I know how to make granola and this is not hard this is easy and I can put whatever I want in it and I get complete control of the ingredients and I can switch it up how I like I can add Um, cocoa powder I can add any kind of nuts and seeds that I'm feeling like or that I have in the cupboard and so I started making granola and my boyfriend loved it he was like could not he was eating unhealthy amounts of granola because everything is good in moderation he was like (laughs) yeah it was not healthy the amount of granola that he was eating 
And so he was like, you should sell this stuff. It's like crack. And so I started like doing granola giveaways because I'd be posting about how I'd make it on my Instagram and people were like, oh my God, that looks so good. Can you send me the recipe? And I was like, well, I don't really have a recipe. I just kind of like do whatever. And so then I kind of created a recipe and I have that on my website now. And I started doing these granola giveaways and people were like loving it. So then I was like, well, maybe this is like, maybe this is something here. Maybe my boyfriend's right. And so now I have a commercial kitchen in Portland that I am going to use if I ever get back to Portland because I'm like never there. Oh, do you like rent a space in it there? (laughs) Yes, you can rent space. It's like by the hour and they're really amazing. It's called Kitchen Crew. They're awesome. If anyone who's listening is in Portland, they're so cool. Um, the guy who owns it is like an amazing, just supporter of small businesses. And he has all these resources to help small businesses, like figure their stuff out because it's really foreign to me. Like, I don't know what I need even and like certificates and I have to get inspected and all this stuff. I'm like, what the heck? And so that's really amazing. Um, and so I'm really excited. I have to get back whenever I get back in like February, uh, end of February, I'm going to be making it because um, I can't I can't sell it when I make it out of my kitchen at home so I'm going to be making it legit in the commercial kitchen in the end of February and I hope to get it for sale at least on my website um, by March or April um, and get it kind of moving and going before I have to go out of town again for the whole summer for track season so it's in the process um, I still haven't solidified a name but right now I'm just mm. calling it steeple squigs granola and i'm trying to find kind of a better brand that um kind of applies to or is um understandable to the general masses outside of like people who follow my instagram account which is called steeple squigs that's tough like the (laughs) the branding's so hard but it's also like i don't know something i've learned is like if you kind of go with what's already out there it's already kind of catchy I don't yeah. know, man. That's hard. But I mean, I think Steeple Squigs Granola has a great <laughs> ring to it. And look at you being a little entrepreneur. I don't know. I, I figure everyone's going to have a side hustle. So Yeah, it's fun. Who created your packaging? Are you st- well, you're still working on it if you're not solidified on a name. Yeah, I still am working on it. I have, um, it was actually super fun. One of my followers who I ended up choosing her for a um, granola giveaway she noticed, I sent her some, and she noticed that I didn't really have a logo. I just kind of have, I hand wrote out all the, um, like, I had, I just ordered some packaging off Amazon, and I did a little sticker on it that I hand wrote, like, Steeple Swigs Granola and mm. Fun Letters, and so I sent it out that way, and so I sent her some, and she emailed me saying, like, I got your granola. I love it. I noticed you didn't have a logo. I'm a graphic designer. Um, yeah, I could like make you a logo. So I've been working with her and we're trying to get, uh, something kind of solidified. We've gone through a few different variations of things now and trying to get one that's like just perfect. Oh so, my gosh. How awesome yeah, is that? Like, like so per- it's like so perfect. It just completely fell in my lap. Um, and she's been awesome and she was already a fan and it was like, I don't know. It was just really one of those. What cool are the chances? Things. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Speaking of that, do you, cause you were talking about, uh, back when, um, uh, you were injured and stuff and people sending you messages. I mean, I yeah. have hardly 
even close to the amount of followers you have, but like I find it difficult sometimes to make sure I respond to everybody. Um, You know, and part of that is like, I might see a message when like one of my kids is crawling over all over me and then I'm like, Oh, I need to get back to that. And then I forget. Oh, I do that all the time. Do you respond to every single person? So a lot of people ask me that. So yes and no. Um, I don't respond if it's something like inappropriate or sure. Um, obnoxious or if it's just like I don't know if someone just sends me like fire 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 emoji or oh, something sure. like just like I don't respond to those but honestly I do I hope that people who are listening to this are not like I sent you a really hard oh, sure <laughs> I know I I will power myself on the back a little bit I am pretty good about responding to people's messages because I don't know I think it's really cool that people take the time to even like reach out to me and I also have an email um, on my website that I'm really good about responding to because those are all like really good messages asking for advice or um, whatever they're going through they want you know kind of help on or hear my experience about and I love writing those emails um, and everyone's story is different so that's really cool too I don't have like a copy paste kind of answer to things I every you know every answer is unique so it takes me a little time but I also just find that a really cool part of my job and I consider it like a part a part of my job um, and I spend time on it almost every day emailing people or reaching out to people on on Instagram or responding to people on Instagram who have reached out about they feel like they're part of like your life yeah I post like everything that I do and so people yeah they feel like they're with you they feel like they're kind of part of the squad and I like responding to them and letting them know that like I see them and I hear them and I'm like appreciative that they're there cheering us on and they like following us and like that makes it way more fun for us to do what we do when we have people who are watching and like care yeah and so I don't want them to feel like yeah we don't care back um we really do appreciate every you know little encouraging message especially when things aren't going well like after London I got so many messages of people being like that was completely unfair and I can't believe it and they were like angry for me and stuff or just sad for me and that was really cool too just to like know it took me a long time to respond to those because I just didn't have the the wherewithal to like (laughs) of course yeah my feelings yet but um it was just really cool to know that people cared and they were following along and so many people were saying you would have been right there in the final and it was like so yeah I really appreciate all those kind of messages between between fans well I think that's really unique that you do that um you know and I know like at some level like you only have so much capacity to respond and 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 do that but I do think and I can tell just by how interactive you are on your website too um, yeah. I think it's really special and it's a really, it's a really cool way to connect with your fans. And then also, I mean, let's be honest, like eventually you're not going to be racing competitively when you're 45, you know, like you kind of like have cultivated a brand for yourself and with your granola and everything, you're just like, you're doing it. You're doing a good job. <laughs> I hope so. I hope, um, that it's still like applicable to everyone as far as, this journey might take me and if anyone like especially oh gosh especially the like the younger girls the high school girls that reach out that makes me feel oh, so good like know that 
the next, who knows? Like, who knows who I'm messaging now who's going to be, like, an NCAA champion one day. Yeah. And, you know, they reached out to me to ask advice on swimming for cross-training or something. So that's really cool. And I feel like if I was a, um, a young runner, I know, like, when I was joining the team, I reached out to Shalane, and she was so kind and so humble and genuine and, like, easy to talk to. And I remember how much that meant to me and still means to me to have someone so successful take the time to talk to me. So, um, yeah, it's a cool thing for me, too, and it makes me feel really good. And, I mean, you still have, like, I don't want to what I said to sound like you don't have, like, I feel like you still have, like, a good 15 years of competitive running <laughs> in you. I mean, you're 25. You've got, like, so much. We'll see. Like I said, I don't really have interest in running a marathon, so. <laughs> oh, no. She's Colleen Quigley's toe in the line at Boston and and like, 2028. 20, <laughs> we'll see the other day we got to go to this really cool we're training in Colorado Springs which is where the USOC is based and we got to go to this really cool Olympic Archives Museum and they had stuff about like LA 2020 and stuff or 2028 and I was like oh gosh like so cool (laughs) yeah and then like Shalane will be at the finish line waiting for you I mean it'll just be this like full circle thing I know. We'll see. I've never, I never want to say never because I never thought I would even be in the Olympics at all. So you never know. And you'll be back at the Olympics. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, okay, Colleen. Well, let's, let's wrap up with our end of the podcast questions here. Yeah. Um, I wanted to get into cra- uh, swimming a little bit because you're kind of like a master swimmer. But one thing I do want to say, I loved what you said about swimming when you said you started swimming. Because we've talked about injury a lot in the show, guys. Yeah. And, and Colleen has like really taken on swimming and owned it. And I love that you said <laughs> you wore uh, like what you wore. You wore like your buns for running and your sports bra so that people knew like hey I'm actually really a runner so they didn't judge your form right (laughs) I feel the same way anytime I get in the pool like and there's swimmers around like real swimmers around me I want to be like oh I'm just doing this because I'm injured I'm actually a runner like I know I was yeah then the um lifeguards at the Nike pool are so nice and luckily they knew that I was a runner, and so they didn't, they would, like, try and give me pointers, actually, for swimming, like, do you want to, like, get better at swimming, and I was, like, yes, and so they would help me and give me pointers, but, yeah, I started, I try and tell people that, because I started, like, at the bottom, I never swam growing up, I never was on the swim team, so people that are scared of swimming, just, you just got to do it, just get out of your comfort zone, do it for a while and then you get better and it's so much more fun. And it really is like, it's peaceful once you like get a rhythm. It's just yeah. like a different. Oh, it's, yeah. It's just like running. Yeah, it is good. Okay. Uh, Colleen, what's an accomplishment you're most proud of? Oh gosh. Um, teaching myself how to swim. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. Um, that was, that was a big deal that I became a swimmer, but most proud of would probably just be that I went to the Olympics. That moment that I crossed the line and then I was an Olympian and then the weeks right after that that I like was trying to let it sink in that you know that I had done this amazing thing. Um, that's something that I'll say for the rest of my life. Like that'll be on my resume for the rest of my life. Um, that wasn't just like a one-time thing it was like I will hold that accomplishment with me forever and I'll be telling my grandkids about it for sure so 
That's awesome. What's one thing professionally or personally that you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Hmm. Well, I don't know if I should be saying this out loud. I don't really say, <laughs> <laughs> say it to people yet. But now that I've been to the Olympics, which was like my last big goal, I have to keep making bigger, scarier goals for myself because that's just how I can't get complacent. So now I want more. I'm shooting for bigger things. And this time my goal is to not only go to the Olympics, but I think it's a reasonable goal for me to medal in Tokyo. So I want to be, especially after the summer, seeing Emma and Courtney crush worlds, it makes me want, it makes me believe in that ability. It makes me want it uh, to achieve it even more than ever. So yeah, that's the next big one in 2020. I love that you put it out there. I think that's yeah. so important. Like why? <laughs> like we, I said, I tell everybody everything. <laughs> yeah. And, but like, we shouldn't be scared or ashamed to put big goals out yeah. there. Like, good, go you. That's yeah. awesome. You might as well. Um, if you had one message to send to the world, what would it be? So maybe going along with like that, I tell everyone everything type of thing. (laughs) I think that right now, the way that social media is, it's kind of hard to be, um, it's hard to be like really genuine and hard to be like good and the bad. Everything like goes together, like one big picture and everyone wants to come across as like really perfect and that they have all their shit together and stuff. And, like, I definitely don't have all my shit together. And even though I have so much fun with the babes, like, every day isn't perfect with us. And we fight sometimes and disagree. And sometimes we have really bad workouts. And sometimes we have awesome workouts. And sometimes I love the pool. And sometimes I skip the pool because I literally can't stand it. (laughs) And, like, it's not every day. It's not perfect. Um, But it shouldn't be because if you can't, like, if you can't have the lows, then you can't have the highs. And so, yeah, just being, like, open about that is nice. I like hearing people's stories of kind of hardships and, like, overcoming things and being stronger because of it. Um, One thing I've been doing lately that I think really helps that and helps with highs and the lows and the emotional kind of roller coaster is that I've been every day, I started doing it over the summer, but I've been, in 2018, been really good about it so far it's the 25th day of 2019 but I've been meditating every day finding five to ten minutes to myself usually in the morning to just center myself and pay attention to my breath and make make myself put everything else away for five to ten minutes and just feel um, more connected to my body and my mind and just help me get some clarity on things and some of that is like, I think it has really helped me realize that sometimes the little things don't matter as much and the intense highs and lows maybe don't need to happen as much and it can find more of a, like, a middle ground and be less, like, dramatic about things. And notice that when bad things happen, like, bad things are happening and that's, okay, that's happening. And then good things are happening. You're like, okay, good, like, this is happening. Um, And it just, either way, like, life goes on. Yeah. Do you use that Headspace app? I do. Yeah, that's what I started. I can't really do it by myself. (laughs) (laughs) Like guide me through it and tell me what to do and like remind me to to um pay attention to the breath and oh if your mind just wandered off. I'm like, Oh yeah, my mind wandered off. Uh Okay. I know it's like all of a sudden I'm thinking about the things I need to do or like what book I want to read next that's in my head I'm like wait this is not what it's for yes yeah I actually haven't tried that app but I keep meaning to and so many people have recommended it it's so awesome it's really been nice um okay what's the best most recent book you've read 
<clears throat> um, so going along with that, actually, the book that I have on my, I'm sitting in my bed right now, the book, the two books that I have on my nightstand are um, The Headspace Guide to Meditation and Mindfulness, and it's by Andy Puddycombe. And I actually got to meet Andy um, last, uh, I guess in like the fall. Um, I got to do a really cool thing with Headspace and Nike um, that will be coming out soon. So keep a look for that. And then the other book that I have on my nightstand um, is called The Things You Can See Only When You Slow Down. And so that's like a little bit more, it has like a little at the beginning of each chapter has like a little like written portion where it talks about, I don't know, it's like a kind of a lesson and then has like all these short poems right after that. And so I like that. Sometimes I just want to read something small, short, bite-sized right before I go to bed. And um, those little poems are really nice. I love that. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) All right, Colleen. Well, hey, how long do you have till the Milrose Mile? We have like... Or the Milrose, the Wanamaker Mile. Yeah, want to make more. Um, it's like a week. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Okay. Thank you for your word. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess yeah. I'll have to say good luck for that then. Thank you. That's what's yeah, Kate next. and I will be Kate, me, and uh, gosh, Ryan. Yeah, Ryan Hill and Kate and I will be heading um to New York on February first, so a week from today. Ah, a week from today. Yay! Well, I know you're coming off like a big stretch of blah blah blah, so this will be really <laughs> exciting. It will be fun. I'm super pumped. It's going to be a great field. There's like 15 really good girls in the race. Um, and New York City is my favorite place in the whole world. So I'm really excited to be back there. Well, we'll be cheering for you. And I, unfortunately, okay. this episode is going to go out after the mile. So, But we'll know how you did. <laughs> Hopefully, future self, hope, hope you crushed it. <laughs> yes, totally. Um, all right. Well, I can't wait to try your granola. And yes. um, we'll oh, connect God, again. Oh, yeah, for sure. We can even do a giveaway to somebody on Listener or something if you want. That'd be so fun. That'd be awesome. Okay, well, let's talk again before Tokyo so we can hear about, like, how your training's going. That'd be great. Thank you so much. You're always so, you're so good at this. You're so easy to talk to. You make me feel so uh, comfortable. Well, I love that you said that. That makes me feel really good because I've turned this into my job somehow. So I really (laughs) appreciate that. (laughs) Nutritionist slash podcast. There we uh, go. Sir. Slash yes. crazy mom. <laughs> yeah. Hey, crushing it all. All right, well, Colleen. Well, have a great night. A yummy hot pizza for you guys. Oh, seriously. Yep. Yeah, we're getting pizza tonight and we're having birthday cake. So it's all good. God. Oh, God, you're crushing it. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me again. Thanks for coming on. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. Thank you, Colleen, for coming on the show. You guys, make sure you're following myself and Colleen over on Instagram because we are giving away some of her famous granola that we talked about. You can find Colleen on Instagram at steeple underscore squigs, S-Q-U-I-G-S. And you can find me on Instagram at lindsayhine626. And if you guys loved the show today, if you enjoyed the show at all, if you would head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review, that would be super helpful. It is one of the best ways potential new listeners can find the show. And growing this community is one of the things in life I am most passionate about. I appreciate each and every one of you guys. Thank you for Sigmatic for supporting the show. You guys check out their mushroom coffees and blends and elixirs for sigmatic.com 
slash another. Use the code another to get 15% off your order. Also check out Bark Bath. Get your dog clean with no mess. Go to getbarkbath.com slash another and use the code another in all caps to get two free no rinse shampoos with your order when you purchase a Bark Bath. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Uh, I'm running the Donna Marathon, the half marathon this weekend. Super excited about that on Sunday, and Glenn is running the half as well. We came down to Florida. My aunt lives here in Jacksonville, and she's gonna watch for us for, us for a couple days. Uh, we brought him with us, and she's gonna watch him so we can do the race and enjoy some time uh, kid-free. It's gonna be amazing. All right, guys, have a great Friday. Have a great rest of your weekend, and as always, I'll see you next Friday.